Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Monergy Life. This is your host, Robert Fisher. And I hope everyone is having a great day. I know that I had an incredible day here in New York City. I was out of town for a couple of weeks and just came back last night. And the process of re-entry into New York City is always an interesting experience for me, especially because I came from a place that was much warmer. Actually, it was Miami, and the weather was uh, generally fantastic. Uh, It was such a pleasure uh, to be there. But the difference in energy between the two places is really palpable when you come back to a place like this. And since our show tonight is about energy, uh, while we're waiting for Saria to call in, which should be any minute, I'm just going to give you my impressions of New York City after being away for a few days. And uh, i got to say, everybody, it's the place where people are moving fast. And the energy is quite different. It usually takes me a couple of days to get used to it when I do come back. And it's always an interesting process to see what I noticed. One of the first things I noticed uh, yesterday when I came back was how people react to you in the elevator. I live in, in a pretty large apartment building in Manhattan, and it's always interesting to note how people relate to you. The, the difference between New York and Miami is quite Quite interesting. Now, here's Saria right now. Saria, is that you? Hello? Hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Um, for a minute, uh, I, I was pressing the button to bring you on, and, and there you are. <laughs> it, was, it was hesitating and here a I bit. Uh, I was just <laughs> telling our listeners uh, – about my experience in in re-entering New York after being away for a couple of weeks and the difference in energy that I felt. (laughs) (laughs) Since the show is about about energy, while I was waiting for you to call in, I was just discussing my experience in the last 24 hours and being here, and I always (laughs) notice (laughs) you're laughing because you can probably anticipate where we're going with this. Uh, you know, one of the simplest things that I always notice is how people react to me in the elevator here versus a place like Miami. Uh, just to mm. tell our li- our listeners, in where I am in Miami, everyone says hello in the elevator. And when you get off, everyone says, have a great day, in spite of the fact that, you know, people are on their cell phones there too. But they're always so happy. Uh, Not everybody, of course. But in New York, what a difference. It's rare when people will look up from their smartphones to even acknowledge who you are when you get in the elevator. It's an interesting (laughs) difference to true. There's another phenomenon in New York that I've always really loved, and that is you become very personal with your dry cleaner, with the people at the quarter market. You become very intimate. And that doesn't happen in other places to the degree that it does in New York. Have you noticed that? Well, I have noticed that um, that uh, interaction. I don't know that I would call it intimate, but I would call it a certain friendliness that you develop. 
and it becomes and part the, of your experience well, you in the neighborhood. Things, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, but no, I have noticed that. But I, I, I think you have that in other places too. But it's more pronounced in a place like New York because of the general anonymity of everything. So that really stands mm. out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those interactions become important to one in the daily course of the day. You know, the dry cleaner. Correct. You know. You know, just standing and chatting with the neighbor when you're walking your dog, if you have a dog, which, of course, a lot of people end up doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny because I had a dog for a very short period of time, and there really is something different about dog people (laughs) that I discovered. True. Yeah, there really is. And... Unfortunately, I had to give my dog up because I was traveling too much, and I had a little golden retriever puppy who I couldn't walk 10 feet in the street without people stopping me. He was so adorable. But enough about me and my dog. We're here to talk about you, Saria. I want to say one thing about dogs. There is a uh, temple, I understand, in India that's devoted to dogs, and it is said that dogs came here to teach humans about unconditional love. So perhaps those people who have dogs are meeting in more unconditional love than others. So There is no question about that. Before we get started, since you mentioned it, I just have to tell our listeners and you a little anecdote of what happened to me about a month ago when I was uh, sitting at uh, Hudson River Park in the West Village on the water doing a meditation on love, and this woman sat down next to me on the bench with a dog, and the dog was sitting very you know, nicely in front of her, I had just finished my meditation and opened my eyes when she sat down next to me with the dog. As soon as I got finished, the dog got up, came over to me, jumped on the bench that I was sitting on, and proceeded to lick me on every part of my body. (laughs) It was amazing how the dog picked up on that. Animals pick up on it. Yeah. And we think that... Many people, maybe we don't, but many people think that humans are superior to animals. But they are in touch with an underlying truth that many of us aren't. Absolutely. Yeah. So so now we're going to talk about you. (laughs) And I'm so pleased to have you on the show. Welcome to Monergy Life, by the way. Thank you so much. And since everything comes down to being a function of energy, it is so... And this is something that I think people are beginning to acknowledge. Almost everybody has been touched by energy, and now people are becoming more aware of it on a worldwide basis. Wouldn't you agree with that, that people are you know, tuning into I the importance of energy? Much more uh, sophisticated about it, and it's really been integrated into people's lives in a different way. When I began teaching both about dropping into unconditioned consciousness and uh, energy work at the it would take a couple of days before it would click and now within the first hour people have it it's really quite amazing and the whole morphic field the whole field of information is right there for us to draw on now and what a gift we're so fortunate We are so fortunate, and along those lines, how things are being accessible so immediately, I I hate to bring this 
back to me, but it's along the same lines, and I have to tell our listeners, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them mm-hmm. or some of them are aware of this, about all these um, systems that stream music instantly. And I recently got one where you can access every album that's ever been produced by every artist immediately by just typing in the name of the artist. The, all the albums drop down, and you can listen to anything. And it's almost magical. Yes. Yes, so much of this work, I mean, that sounds magical, and so much of this work feels like uh, miracles, when I first started doing it, it was just, oh, my God, this is a miracle. The first time I saw a tumor disappear in 20 minutes, I thought it was a miracle. Now I realize we're just leaving a Newtonian world for a quantum world and that right. all of these things have right. been that available is, to a few yeah. humans, but just not all of us. And we're very right. fortunate that it's available to all of us. Right, but it's amazing the things, the the so-called, I mean, they, they are miraculous things that are, that are available to us right now instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And along those lines, what you just said, um, moving from the Newtonian world to the quantum world, I think that's exactly what's happening. And people should no longer mm-hmm. be attached to their idea of what an experience has to be. Exactly. Yeah. And we're disentangling from a lot of the uh, old concepts that our ancestors had. And I I don't say that in criticism of our ancestors because they came from their ancestors. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of meta-concepts that, and I use meta-concepts as a concept that organizes our life. And a lot of those now are actually, we're dropping them. There, for instance, there are... um, concepts that life is suffering and of course when we have that concept then our reality is going to reflect that concept because our experience is attached to these meta concepts like filings to a magnet right and this thought is so deeply ingrained in us personally and collectively and in most cultures that i cannot tell you how many times i've read buddha said life is suffering where the end of the statement and there is a way out is totally omitted. But so anyway, that's one of the meta concepts that it seems like we're dropping now. And then, of course, there are things about uh, uh, life is a struggle, there's scarcity, being undeserving. Right. right. Have to have a relationship to be happy or have to have money to be happy. Right. And it's, it's as if we're, we're dropping all of those old concepts that are so deeply ingrained and opening to a a presence where there are just infinite potentials available to us. And it's so exciting. I couldn't agree with you more. And I love the way you have um, verbalized that because I think it's exactly what's going on. And it's one of the reasons why people who are very attached to the old way of doing things are feeling very threatened. Um, because I think if you're going to do that, you're going to just be completely in that world of suffering and and find no way out. Exactly. Attached to it, and really, you just don't... Sometimes we get so encased in the suffering. I remember what that was like, where you just can't imagine another reality, and you just want someone to recognize how you're suffering and give you an answer and you stay in it and you stay in it in an attempt to resolve it. 
But you can't resolve it. I think Einstein said you can't resolve your issues from the same level of consciousness at which they were created. And so leaving that level of consciousness seems impossible. Right. And, and I know a lot of people I've been with who've actually dropped and felt that freedom of, of uh, unconditioned consciousness, and then they'll come back up to their heads and say, but I have to do this first before right. I live there. You know, it's so interesting. You know, but I, I, I couldn't agree yeah. with you more about that, too. And along those lines, um, I think I told you that I, I had, for whatever reason, been meeting some really extraordinary people in the last few weeks when I was away, and just mm-hmm. listening to their stories, listening to people talk, and it's just amazing. And you learn so mm-hmm. much by listening to people. I was talking to one friend of mine down there who is for lack of anything better, a really credentialed person, meaning the pedigree, boarding school, Yale, you know, that kind of thing. What was so Mm -hmm. interesting in listening to him talk about the people in his life was that everyone that he mentioned, he had to attach their credentials to. So I finally said to him, I I said, are you aware that everyone you've told me about, everyone you've talked about, you have to tell me what they do and how they rank in their field in one way or another. I said, do you realize that you're doing that? And he just looked at me. I don't think anyone had ever pointed that out to him before. Yes. And, you know, and it's it's just one thing that that I noticed. And, and here again, it just showed his attachments to these things. And... You know, and he yeah, even admitted. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Do you remember a time? Remember how I thought I had to be someone, right? And I would go to say a party or an event or meet people, and I wanted to so be someone, and I wanted right. them to recognize me as this someone I wanted to be, and yes. and I would get annoyed if they didn't recognize me in that way. And right. then I found out that when you're the the portal to happiness is to be no one, is to be absolutely, fully ordinary, because you're the same consciousness. When we drop that desire to be a specific way, we drop into a consciousness that's the same consciousness that everyone else has. Right. No, absolutely. And along those lines, you know, I said to him, you know, you are so in your head. And I think one of the shifts in consciousness going on worldwide that promotes this the portal to happiness the portal to to feeling content in the moment is to move away from the mind because the mind is what drives people crazy when the mind controls your being because that's not who we really are oh absolutely absolutely the mind does the mind and everyone else's mind from past, present, and future, because in quantum physics, as we know, it's all happening simultaneously. But it is in the, in the, the dual mind where suffering is. And the Russian mystic Gurdjieff wrote that humanity began living from the reptilian brain, where survival was the dominant impulse, and that next we moved to the limbic brain and experienced emotion, and followed that we gravitated to the frontal cortex, where we began conceptualizing and planning, and now, lucky for us, as we're, as we're speaking about, we're moving into the heart brain, into yes. the experience 
that deeper intelligence, bliss, and openness. And one thing about the heart is that its magnetic field is 5,000 greater than the cranial brain, and its electrical field is 60 times greater than the cranial brain. So when you drop there into that wholeness, that completeness, and that peace, you actually can affect other people. In, you touch them with that energy field, and it gives them the opportunity to open to. Absolutely. And, and that is the shift that, that I think is going on worldwide, the shift to being heart-centered from being centered in the mind. And it it's is. Really, yeah, and it's an amazing shift because it opens up a whole new level of, of opportunities for people and a whole new way to experience their daily life. Whole totally other, different. Yeah, it's a whole it's, other it's, feeling. It, you feel like you're in a different life. Within Absolutely. seconds, you can drop. If you right now allow your awareness, if everyone who listens to this just takes a minute and allows their awareness to drop into the heart, they'll be in a different world. Absolutely experienced differently. And I think and one of, what, yeah, go, go ahead, please. I was just going to say one of my first experiences, I'll just share this because I, I laugh every time I think about it, and it just arose. The, one of the first experiences I had when I really dropped into the heart was after a childhood of, of emotional abuse and four decades of attempts to resolve the pain, therapy, you know, just any way I could self-medicate, anything. Anyway, I, when I dropped into the heart, I couldn't find a hint of that pain that I had, wow. and I realized that I had never been hurt. I had never been really abused. I had never been hurt. There what may do you have been mean by that, brief... for the listeners? Because for most people, because they might be saying, what the... is she saying, really? So what are you saying? All right. you... I'm saying that you may have a brief experience pass through the field of consciousness, but the real suffering was created with the pain. Uh, uh, the real suffering was created from the story that I perpetuated daily for decades in your mind there was by the no way. actual pain in my heart in that field of consciousness unconditioned consciousness well there's no conditioning there so by staying in my conditioning mind and reinforcing that with my story of abuse i created pain story Absolutely. reaction Absolutely. on every well, level along i felt or oh, robert I was laughing. I could not. Tears were cascading down my cheeks. Really? I was laughing so really? much because I saw the joke of it. it, it I, I, just, I completely understand what you're talking about. Now, when did that happen for you? When did that experience occur? Oh, my goodness. I guess I was around 40. Right. And I had, before that, spent so much time, you know, trying to find a way out like like most of us you know we just try to try to try to find a way out you know um, rebellion sex compliance mm -hmm. i've been a, a you know a buddhist a christian a muslim i've just tried every way i was a psychologist i tried psychology you know just tried out all these different ways out and it was only when i reached the end i just got so frustrated at not really 
becoming free, I just said, okay, I give up. And when I, in that giving up, my awareness dropped. And it was, oh, my God, this is what I've been looking for. It but was I had like to there get all the time. Point. Yeah. Yeah, it was there it all was, the time. Because it's there all the time for everybody. And along the lines of we what you get just said, Nature. absolutely. It's consciousness, yeah. basically. And it exists. It's consciousness. That's all that it is. And, and yeah. it turns out that that's everything. But but the story it's that you everything. just told us, yeah. right, it's everything. The story that you just told us is so common because how often have we heard from people that we meet or friends, in the first 10 minutes that you meet them, they're going to tell you their, their victimhood. You know, they want to make sure that you know what happened to them and why they are the way they are. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It just perpetuates. And it doesn't allow it's perpetuated. them. And I did that too, I'm sure. I may, not have, I may not have said it the first meeting, but I certainly would by the second or third. Yes. And what I was really looking for, I just wanted someone to say, this is the way out. And people didn't do that. Most people didn't. What they would do was say, oh, and sympathize, and that just right. didn't right. work. Well, yeah. you know, um, Oh, poor you, you know, in other words. But, you know, it's interesting how a lot of people are so attached to their suffering and it becomes their raison d'etre, you know, their reason for living. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a badge almost that they wear very proudly. And for a yeah. lot of people, it's sad when that happens, but it's easily recognizable mm-hmm. when you meet somebody and they're in that state. You could tell in like two seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, well, one of the things that Cam Ewan, who founded Ewan Method, that we're going to talk about in a little while, is we once are. told me that people don't have the right to suffer. And I, that stopped me for a moment. And then when I really sat with it, I said, yes, they don't. Because at least once we know the way out, we don't have a right to suffer. Because in a unified field of consciousness, our suffering affects the whole field and everybody. So when we suffer, our contraction in the field gets passed on to others and makes them suffer. Because of the energy so, that they bring um, to every life situation. Yeah. 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 Of so, course, when you drop deep enough out of the out of the conditioning, you're not bothered by it. It's, it doesn't affect you, but... Right. But on a certain did, level, it does. And right. Now, how did you discover, Doctor, I want to pronounce it correctly. Is it Juan? Mm-hmm. Um, is that the correct pronunciation for him? I call him Cam Ewan. Cam Ewan. Okay, so it's Ewan. How did you, how did you, how did you find out about uh, Cam Ewan? How did you, how did you, how were you lucky enough to, to, to um, be exposed to this. It was a ser- kind of a serendipitous experience. I um, I had already dropped and found that place of emptiness, and I had a practice as a therapist then, and I was helping other people drop into that, and there was nothing else I wanted, nothing else. I didn't care about doing anything but that. I felt complete with the practice. And yet a woman came and told me she had spoken to a psychic, and I wasn't interested in hearing anything uh, about a future. But I knew I was to talk to that woman. So what 
when I spoke to her, she told me things uh, from my mother who had just passed. And my father was still living, and he thought that we were only the body. She told me things from my mother that only he and my mother knew. So I realized in the session that it was for him. And actually it did. It opened him up when I told him some of their secrets, and then he realized there was more than the body. We were hanging up. She said, oh, you're to go work with Cam Ewan. And I was like, I, I, I'm not looking for another modality. Right. But, but because she was so accurate, my father confirmed the secrets that she told me uh, that the next weekend Cam happened to be in Detroit and I was there. And wow. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. But I saw him walk on a stage. And a woman showed up with a, 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 a big a hole in her shoulder where a tumor had been removed, and I saw him level it. And I thought, ah, oh, power of mine. But then a dog that brought it, a dog that was a, a fairly aged dog up on the stage. It was dragging its fourth leg. And in 20 minutes, it was bouncing around like a puppy. And I just said, okay, I'll do this. Uh, you know, I was, it, it arose in my consciousness, and I'm intrigued. So I just, I did a dive in. You know, and for some of the people listening to these stories, when you, yeah, drop to the, when you drop into that emptiness, it's not as if you need anything, but I'll t- the UN Methods is the, the, I guess, the most powerful technique I've seen for sweeping away the debris, the conditioning. Both, I mean, not of just the, not of just our conditioning, but our ancestral conditioning, collective conditioning, past, present, and future. I mean, and it, I, I, I just started seeing miracles, as I said, you know, all of the time, and it was just mind-boggling. So, yeah, so I'm, I do, I do both now. <laughs> So for for people Mm -hmm. listening to this who might be skeptical about what you just said, how do you explain, for instance, the ability to level a tumor? How would you describe why that happens? Okay. Um, Well, one thing, we're not solid. Right. And though we look solid, we're not. And there are fields of information, and once you change a field of information, then it affects the, the, this appearance that we have of solidity gets transformed. So are you saying, um, well, let me, just, let me just ask this. Are you saying that the solidity of objects, the solidity of a physical condition is basically an illusion? I'm saying all solidity is an illusion. I, I remember when you. I was junior high hearing that, I remember a science teacher saying, you're not solid. And I was just, I found that mind-boggling that I wasn't solid. I remember going home and telling my mother, we're not solid, and I thought it would be like start a revolution in her life. And she said, okay, if you say so. And I'm like, but we're not solid. And it seems like... I found myself, you know, 30 years later, 
now back into this place of saying we're not solid, you know. <laughs> yeah. Cam, would I tell you? Let me tell you a little bit about this method, and maybe this will help explain it a little bit. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. That's after uh, studying and refining Shaolin martial art techniques. Cam, who's a kung fu grandmaster, Shaolin master, decided to share this with the world so that you know the time was right and so he merged these shaolin secrets with quantum physics so what were the shaolin now, what he recognized is that the central nervous system is a very sophisticated computer hmm. and like a computer it's strong or weak and you can flip the computer to strong or weak by just using mental energy, just a zap of awareness, and maybe even not meant just awareness to the midline. And when people have issues, think of it like this. You know, like in your computer, when it's new and it's very, think about how zippy it is right. and efficient, mm-hmm. but then in time it starts to drag. Yeah. You know, and bring can't bring up websites or call. Well, our bodies are the same way, our computers. So what this method is able to do is to delete the weaknesses and uh, from the the computer and reset it to its infinite potential. Do you know how? And he then dis- and it instantly. Yeah. Do you know how he discovered this uh, this concept that that, that central nervous system well, is like the computer? I'm not, I don't know whether that's a part of the Shaolin, but I do know that in his experience um, that he was a martial artist and um, and a very accomplished martial artist. I think he rare fry, rare, uh, um, developed a praying mantis and was even a advisor on the Kung Fu television series, and the Kane character was based partially on him. Oh, wow. So he, he had renowned as a martial artist, and he found that he could look at someone, and if he could see where their weakness was, he could just topple them easily. They would, you can look at someone's weakness, uh, weak spot, and their energy actually feel goes weak. So he used this in his martial arts and then at one point decided to flip it and use it for transforming people. Oh, what a wonderful flip that was. What a flip, right? What a flip, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. We were, You and I were talking briefly before the show and, and you, you said something to me that I want to share with our listeners that, you know, people talk about process the concept of process is something that's you know in people's consciousness you know we're all supposed to focus on the process of things but what you said to me what you suggested was that this is a time when process is being accelerated or and where things can happen a lot quicker now what did you mean by that and 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 why do you feel that way because I see things. I, 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 when I work with people, and I work, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, I can see that when they hold on to the idea that process is important or essential, and maybe because they're holding on to it, it is for them, but I can see that the 
it takes longer for them to transform. Once we delete the idea of process, it can happen instantaneously. Like I mentioned, this a dog that can suddenly jump around or a tumor that just isn't there after a few minutes. We do not need process once we let go of the thought because we live in a we don't live in a cause and effect world. Now I'm not quite clear what you mean by that. Business. We, we live in a world of consciousness. In consciousness. Mm-hmm. Consciousness, I see. Yeah. So is it possible and, and that infinite everything... Possibility. An and infinite one, possibility. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that's really fascinating to me, I mean, and this is all, this understanding, in, in also understanding of quantum physics, and one of the things that I find really intriguing is also that so much of what we do and change is the frequency. Once we drop to the heart, our frequency is, is different from when we're in the cranial brain. We just, I just spoke about that a moment ago. And quantum physicists would say if you're a different frequency, you're actually inhabiting a different world then. So true. So it's not just actually so a different world. You actually are in a different world. Because and, and you're let in me a just, different of Let me just add to that based on what I believe, which is I believe that by our by our consciousness we actually create our external reality. So when you're mm-hmm. vibrating on a different frequency, that's the the explanation for why your physical reality is going to change. That's right. And you may be in a different world. I notice in some of the, the um, I've been getting um, really fast uh, shifts in people when I've integrated and in, in, into my work more clearing them for their manifestation in other dimensions, times and space, and other animal forms, and parallel worlds. So it's as if this consciousness that we think is many of us think it's in the body. We know that the body is in it. But the same consciousness is inhabiting different dimensions, times and space, etc. So clearing from them actually affects our experience of the body in this time and space. Right. I think Did one of the things... Did I just well, go off on a tangent? No, well, actually, actually for body. some of our listeners... They may be wondering what you're talking about, but I can grasp it. I, I'm I'm with you on that, and I think and that I one of. I apologize. I think I just I may not have been very um, articulate in that. So. No, I think you were, but I think the concept might be a little foreign to some people who are listening, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it is. It is far out, isn't it, to all of us? I mean, that is yeah. kind of mind-boggling. It is kind of mind-boggling. I mean, I work. It and it's mind-boggling to me because, yeah. Right. Well, you know, yeah. one of, it's, it's funny. When you were saying that, uh, one of the things that I think may be accessible to us in the very near future, or for that matter, it's probably accessible right now to some people, is the ability to move between past, present, and future. And personally, I'm fascinated by the notion of time. I have been convinced over the last couple of years that time does not proceed on a linear path at all. Well, so, what quantum physicists have told us is that 
past, present, and future are all occurring simultaneously, right? Exactly. They're just on a different frequency, and it's a question of accessing yeah. the frequency. Yeah. So, you know, that's something, too, that I think more and more people probably have experienced in their life, but maybe just didn't identify it for what it was. Because... Some of the... Yeah. Yeah, you know... Um, Go ahead. Many people I work with might are perhaps experiencing a depression or pain, and when I check, it's not theirs. It's coming from 300 or four, an ancestor maybe wow. 300 or 400 years ago. Now, so, how do you know yeah. that, though? I, I, you, you know, how do you how do you identify that it's coming from someone from three, you know, three or 400 years ago? What's can you share with mm-hmm. our listeners how you come to that conclusion? Yes, you learn how to tell the difference between strong and weak. Okay. Strong and weak. We all have the capacity to get true answers. But all we have to do is be able to say what say something, and we'll get whether it's strong or weak. And then well, we can just, use our mental Let, let me just stop to, you there. But when, uh-huh. when you say to identify when something is strong and weak, what specifically are you talking about that you're looking to identify as being strong and weak? Okay. If I say my name is Saria, close my eyes and say my name is Saria, I have a right. certain feeling inside. It just feels like a normal feeling. If I say my name is Sam, I feel an inner collapse. I can feel my energy getting weak. Now, it can be a very subtle experience. Get stronger the more you use it, like most things. But that can tell me what's strong and weak. Okay. So if I'm working with someone and I see an, and they tell me about an issue, I can look and I can say, check that as an issue. If it's strong, that's not where the issue is. Someone may say, I have a sore shoulder. If I go to the shoulder and look and I don't get that weak feeling, that's not the issue. And I can look, I can ask, where is it weak? And I can look scan the body until I find the weakness. And then with mental energy on the midline, strengthen that weakness. And and, and how long does yeah. that strengthening last when you do that? Is it permanent? It can, yeah, it can be permanent. There can be um, more weaknesses. But it can be permanent. I remember um, working on a woman for a few minutes who had celiac considered incurable. Every time she had wheat or even a spoon that had been dipped in wheat, she had to be rushed to the emergency room. Took a few minutes before she was strong. Never had an issue again. So it can happen like that. I remember um, having a pain in my joint once. It took me, I cleared it, next week came up again, had different issues there, came up again, cleared it. It took about four times to really, four weeks to really clear that, or, you know, right. four sessions with my to clear it. <laughs> yeah, that it came back, but there were different issues, but, yeah. But And do you think that, um, so you're able to, to identify the strength and the weakness of the underlying issue causing the person's predicament, whatever that might be, which I think is so amazing. And the, 
I'm sorry. Go and ahead. I don't want to just say cause and I don't want it to say this issue is causing that because I think it's important to realize that there are there can be many issues that are influencing a weakness because it's I, I like to get out of the cause and effect model. Okay. And if you clear enough, strengthen enough of the issues, then the self healing of the body happens. It just how do you. How do you think the medical establishment would react to the ability to perhaps heal somebody instantaneously? There are some doctors who are practicing this, which is such good news, but many don't want to hear about it. But, you know, it'll happen. It will happen that this... The thing about this, and it's one of the... What I get really excited about is that I can envision a time when doing this is as natural as breathing and that the those dark days of disease and debilitation and suffering will actually be over. And even the social and, and economic implications of each of us having the power to transform our own illnesses and relationships. Yeah, yeah let's talk about that financial for a moment. Dis- of what what the social Whoa, and political implications right? are, because we're oh. talking about a whole new dimension of reality in a world in which people are conscious of their abilities in this field. Yeah. Every, the yeah. thing about this, it's like child's play. Everyone can do it. It's not hard. It's easy and natural. Everybody who's listening, everyone on this planet already knows how to do it. Somewhere, deep it down, is, they already know it. So and probably have of, done it, but, but probably everyone has done it, but not been aware that they were doing it at some point in their life. Yes, I think you're right. You know, yeah. and nobody, yeah, nobody is, is directed to think of themselves as having that power, but I think you're suggesting, you're more than suggesting, you're affirming that everyone does have that power. And and there can come a time yeah. when everyone is actually using it, too. Yeah, everyone can do this. I was riding in a car with a, with a woman who has a, a seven-year-old daughter. The daughter was in the back seat. And her mother was a practitioner as well uh, on Ewan Method. And the woman said, I have a headache. And I started to do some work. And the daughter said, no, I'll take care of this. And oh, she actually... It. So there's nothing about there's nothing uh, <laughs> grandiose about doing this. You're just it's just an ordinary simple right. technique that everyone has access. Well, so you know, I transforming think, just as easy as child's play. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, it all comes around to almost the Alice in Wonderland uh, thinking that we all have created our own realities by the level level of consciousness. And that reality includes our physical or mental problems. So if you change your consciousness and shift it, those problems should theoretically just disappear instantaneously. Exactly. Exactly. That's really what we're talking about here. It's really what we're, we're talking about that we can drop our awareness into the heart and all the unhappiness we've imagined by the mind dissolves. Right. All the scarcity, all the illness, everything is gone. That's right. 
It's gone. It's gone. Money issues, all of those concepts, gone. Well, because um, money issues, as I think you know that I believe, it's all a function of consciousness anyway, just like everything else. It is. It is. Absolutely. Everything is. Everything is. And, and we're coming to believe that. And what an incredible world that we're living in when we actually believe these things. When we, and more than believe, experience that deeper right. self, that deep consciousness. Yes. Because yes. I'll tell you what changed for me, because I, I found it, I dropped into it. I would come back out, I would drop back into it. But only when I realized that the intelligence in it was trustworthy, whereas that intelligence, that place I went to in my mind to figure things out and resolve was absolutely stupid. Absolutely. Saria, I hate to interrupt you. We have 20 seconds left, and this time has flown. How can, how can our listeners contact you if they want more information on this? What's the best way? Uh, shall I give my telephone number, I guess? Or, or let me uh, give my yeah, email yeah. address. Yes, that's great. Okay, it's S-I, <clears throat> excuse me, S-I-R-R. I-Y-A at AOL.com. Perfect. Saria, we're out of time, but we've got to do this again All because right. there's so much we've never even touched upon, and this is such fascinating this stuff, which, fun. which I think is, is so helpful to anyone who has the privilege of listening to it. Um, my guest, Saria Din, a practitioner of the UN method of energetic healing, and it's been my pleasure, and I'm sure the pleasure of our listeners to have you on the show. Oh, my um, pleasure, and love to, to you and to everyone who listens. Um, right mm. back at you, Saria. Good night, and this is Robert Fisher from Monetary Life. Good night. Bye.